It was 1996, and I was a youth pastor at, at First Baptist of Central Florida in, in Ocoee in Orlando. And I had a, uh, he had told me, do Daniel chapter 2. I'd already done Daniel 1. I was getting ready to do Daniel chapter 2. And I knew that's what I was supposed to preach. I had studied it, studied it. And he's like, the whole chapter, Daniel 2. And I'm like, God, I don't have an outline. I don't know how to do this. And it got to be where it was about an hour before we were going to have our Wednesday night youth service without 600 kids, dude, all, all different count. All, I mean, it was there. They were all up going to be up in the bleach and I, God, I don't know how I'm going to preach this. You've got to give me the outline. God, please. And I'm begging him. And all of a sudden, in a split second, he gives me this entire outline. And by the time we're done in three weeks, you guys are going to know this outline too, but you're going to know the first part today. And so I stand up and, and I start looking at the outline, I have it broken up, and I start looking at each little section. And here's what he said. He said, a secular sigh, a lucrative lie, a Chaldean cry, decree to die obstacles, a timely tribe by a godly guy who knew a God to glorify opportunities, kingdoms that will comply, royalty that will reply, God is omnipotent. And that was chapter two. He gave me that in about two minutes, one minute, just all of that. And um, it's such an encouragement. And I've always tried to kind of preach it all in one section. Can you imagine that? It, it, at a nursing home. You should have seen it when I preached that whole thing at a nursing home, dude. <laughs> I was wheeling people out. They were, they were drooling and falling asleep, messing up my illustrations. But anyways, but seriously, he said, I want you to do Daniel chapter 2. And, and I'm like, okay. But I went kind of long last week and the week before and the week before. <laughs> this is really. And he's like, yeah, I don't care. You know, like Zane said, you know, if you ain't got time, we'll make time because who's more important than him? I'm like, whatever. You keep people's attention span. So, but anyways, he said, I want you to do it in three sections because there's always something that I have to neglect in an effort to kind of just keep things going. And I've never, ever gotten to do this in three sections like this. And so the three sections are simply going to be, and the one we look at today is how when you are counting on worldly wisdom and you're counting on, on doing things the world's way, when you're counting on you know, climbing that worldly ladder and doing it all that way, life is going to be an obstacle. That's the first part is there's going to be, God's going to show you exactly how to get yourself tied up in an obstacle. And by knowing how you get in an obstacle, you can know how to avoid it. Next week, we're going to learn how a godly guy Daniel and his buddies, how they prayed and they waited for God. And all of a sudden, the obstacle to one person was now an opportunity to everybody else. And then at the end, the last week, we're going to see world history. How many of y'all want to know how the world ends? I can't tell you when it's going to end. I can tell you we are in the end. I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know what part of the end. We are in the very end. I'll show that to you in Scripture. And when we're done, it's not some wild haired prophecy, you know, that I'm making predictions or anything, you're going to look at the statue and say, dude, that's us. And we don't know how long that's, but that's going to be two weeks from now. And so I get to actually kind of go through the whole thing in three weeks. And so today we're going to simply look at how it all began. Now, uh, obviously we're skipping Daniel chapter one. And so what happened in Daniel chapter one is all of a sudden Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you guys know those guys, right? And, um, in fact, I used to do this in a youth conference, and there was a to I was the token white guy from the hood, and there was a token black guy and a token, 
uh, token Spanish guy. We used to call ourselves vanilla, chocolate, and caramel. When we, we had that perspective when we all went in there. And he used to always say, Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro. That's, how he, that, that's what he did. I don't know if that's politically correct anymore. But back then, dude, he was a black dude. He did it. That was his thing, man. But anyways, but so, so it's a great story. <laughs> Sorry if I offended anybody in that. But that's how we, that's how we used to do it in our urban youth workers conferences back in the day. But anyway, so Daniel, basically, as you know, um, what happened is that Israel got put into captivity in Babylon, all right? They, the, the northern kingdoms, they had already been cap, uh, captured by um, Assyria, and they were under the control of the Assyrians for quite a while, and that was, and, and that was by Nabopolassar, Nebuchadnezzar's dad. You guys remember Nabopolassar, right? And uh, some of y'all named your kids after that, right? You guys have another kid, it'll be Nabopolassar, right? And, right? and uh, so Nabopolassar, he was, the, uh, conquered, uh, he, he was a Babylonian guy. He conquered the Assyrians. And, uh, and so they were in charge of things. And then the Babylonians came and they conquered people. Uh, they conquered the Israelites, the other two tribes. And so that's where Daniel kicks in is we're now... Nebuchadnezzar is a brand new young king. His dad, Nabopolassar, died, and he's been now the king for a few years, and, and he's now in charge. And so Daniel, remember Daniel, what they, what they would do is they would take the, the top young men out of the kingdom, and instead of letting them be where they're going to be and cause rebellion, they would bring them out, and they would take them to their country and retrain them. So they didn't, and they would just leave people that weren't able to start a rebellion in the places. So that's how Daniel, uh, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how they would all be, they were all there in Daniel chapter one, and they were noticed, and they were kind of working, you know, they, they were being trained in the Babylonian way, and that's where we start in chapter two in this section. So what I want you guys to know is obstacles become opportunities when your goal is to give glory to an omnipotent God. I don't think you're going to remember that, so I'm going to have to teach you the hand signals for the rest of it, all right? So everybody take your hand. Just take your hand, look at that hand, and I want you to smack yourself in the forehead. Go, oh, come on, man. You don't have, you don't have to do as hard as I do, but if it's applicable, do it. How many of y'all have ever gone, oh, how many of y'all are like, oh, right now, how many of you are going, oh, no, <laughs> how long is this going to last? Uh, so literally, that's, that's the first part, a secular sigh. Oh, everybody do. Whenever I say secular sigh, just do it. You don't have to do it hard. A secular sigh. Oh, how many of you ever done that? You, you have exhausted all your resources. You've tried every bag of tricks in your, or every trick in the book, every trick in your bag. You've tried everything you had. You've depleted your bank account. You've de depleted all of your manipulative tactics, everything, and it didn't work out, and you have to go, oh. Anybody ever been there? Where you just got no other option? Like, I can't keep doing this. I have no answer. Oh, that is the secular side. Remember what you're supposed to do when I say secular side? Secular side. Al, there you go. See, Al knows to just do it soft because you're probably going to do this a few times. If you're like jamming it like me, dude, now you're like, no, I know why your head's the way it is. <laughs> but so a secular sigh, that's how we start. But this secular sigh, when you're work, trying to work it out in this worldly system, it, it kind of keeps going. You've got to find a solution. And so what ends up happening later is you start encountering people with a lucrative lie. So we have a secular sigh, help me out, lucrative lie. Boston, come on, you're not too cool to do this, man. Just come on, you'll remember it, I promise. 
Secular side, lucrative lie, right. And you're going to identify with people who live a lucrative lie, and one day it gets found out. And when that lucrative lie gets found out, guess what happens next? They turn it into a Chaldean cry. Okay, let me see your Chaldean cry. How many of y'all ever had kids pull the Chaldean cry? Mom, nobody's ever made anybody do this before. It's impossible. It's unfair. This isn't right. Isn't that where our world's at right now? You know? We live with that secular side. We're like, we're trying to do it the world's way and our resources, and it doesn't work out. We're like, oh, and we turn to people for help, and they give us a lucrative lie, and that doesn't work out. Then they give us a Chaldean cry, and then we give them the decree to die. <laughs> and life is an obstacle for them, right? Okay, you'll see how this works out. So help me out with this. For secular side? Thank you, Tom, because your wife is not participating. And there's not that many people I can't pick out in here. I see everybody, all right? But all right, secular side? Lucrative lie, Chaldean cry, decree to die, obstacle. And I want you to remember this because if any of this applies to you, avoid it. Don't let it apply to you. But don't get sucked into this system because it's going to do nothing but put you, tie you up and put you in, into an obstacle when God has put something in your life to be an opportunity. Next week, we'll get to the opportunity, but we'll have an opportunity to kind of scout it out a little bit so obstacles become opportunities when our goal in life is to give glory to an omnipotent god who if god's for us exactly i can't even believe you were kind of bringing it up because that's exactly the whole point of daniel chapter two man in all of that so again part one we're going to talk about obstacles and obstacles i saw this and i thought it was a good quote i can't even tell you who i can't give anybody credit for it but it was it was from the bankruptcy, when you live from the bankruptcy of human wisdom. Okay, so let's just go back to that. When you live with human wisdom, when you do business with human wisdom, when you build corporations with human wisdom, when you build a family with human wisdom, when you, you build a church with human wisdom, I don't care what you're building with human wisdom, you're going to find out that it's going to end up being bankruptcy. It's going to go bankrupt. It doesn't have what it takes. Again, from your personal life to your business life to your classroom, Jordan, you cannot, whatever it is God has you involved in, you can't build it with human wisdom, can you, Doc? You can't build it. If you build it with human wisdom, you're going to end up, what, what's the B word here? Bankrupt. Yeah. And it's guaranteed to bankrupt you at some point, and you're going to find yourself in an obstacle. Whereas if your goal is to glorify God, you're going to find out it's an opportunity because you're not building it on this human wisdom that is going to bankrupt you. So check this out. We start off with, oh, a secular, what, Ashley? Ashley did, oh, that's all right. A secular high, dude. That's a different message, all right. Yeah, I don't know where, you've been taking some baby drugs, man? No, I'm just saying. No, it is a secular sigh. Everybody, come on, man, help me out one more time. A secular sigh. Because what we're going to find out is Nebuchadnezzar... We didn't plan this, obviously. <laughs> Holy Spirit. How many of y'all believe God has a sense of humor? You know what I'm saying? So some of y'all are going to go home and you're like, yeah, pastor said we need a secular... You know, no, no. All right. So Nebuchadnezzar, this king, he's going to need some answers. He's, gonna, he's got a troubling situation that he can't figure out and he needs some help. And he just can't figure it out. So he ends up with a, what, a secular... Sigh. Man, have you ever been there? I got to move off this screen. Y'all aren't getting past that, right? All right, so 
Here we go. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, you didn't add my little parentheses either, but that's okay. Thank you for getting this done right here. All right, so the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. I want you to understand Nebuchadnezzar, he's the king of Babylon. And I always pictured Nebuchadnezzar as the king of Babylon as an old dude, you know, kind of seasoned, maybe, you know, in his prime, but he's actually a young guy. His dad had been Nebuchadnezzar, I told you, and his dad had passed away probably three, four years ago, and he inherited the kingdom. His dad, as Nebuchadnezzar, had knocked out two world kingdoms to make Babylon the number one kingdom. They knocked out Assyria, and they knocked out Egypt. So Nebuchadnezzar was a bad dude, and you're going to see this guy was too, even as a young man, being trained by his dad. Most ungodly just wretched person you've ever met. So Nebuchadnezzar now had been king for just a few years. Some say maybe two, three years. It says second year. There's, it, it, it's not lying. It's just there's some timing issues here. But he'd only been king for a couple of years. He's a young guy, all right? And it says in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, okay? So how many dreams did he have? More than one, right? <laughs> and how many of y'all ever had a dream that you woke up and was like, whoa? How many of y'all ever remembered a dream? How many of you have never remembered a dream? Dude, wait. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> you have not had a secular high. <laughs> no, I'm just saying no. But <laughs> All right. But, but li- seriously, they had dreams. He had dreams. He had more than one. So if you have a memorable dream that kind of freaks you out in the morning, anybody ever have one that you're like, oh, and you're like, oh, thank Jesus, it's not real. <laughs> anybody ever been there? Can you imagine having that dream over and over and over again? Well, you have it the next day and the next day and the next day. Some of you are like, yeah, that's me, man. No, the, the over and over again. And, and you're trying to figure out what it means, especially as a young king that is now the world empire. Babylon was in charge of the universe. They were the most powerful country or empire in the universe at this time and being a young kid you know everything you're trying to figure it all out and you have this dream over and over and over again concerning this empire so nebuchadnezzar was kind of like hmm what does this mean what it wasn't the first night i'll chalk it up to eating pizza late next one i ate sunny's late which i did last night but you know it's like but after a while dude it's like man something's going on i need an answer so it says in the second year, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was what? Troubled. Troubled. His sleep, what? Dude, what happens when you don't sleep? Do you actually get sharper? <laughs> Do you get more, you know, astute and everything? No, dude, you start losing it when you start not sleep. So he's in bad shape. He's having the same dream over again that has something to do with his kingdom. And he's losing sleep over it. So life is not getting any better. And so he has got to throw his hands up. And in fact, I'm going to tell you what. We've been doing secular side this way. Here's Nebuchadnezzar's second secular side. <gasps> He's doing a double fist secular side. <laughs> have you ever had something so bad that you needed such an answer? You don't have one. You're just like, oh, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. This is crazy. That's where he's at. He's got a secular side. Hey, if you got a secular side, man, you know what? You need to put somebody spiritual in your life. You need to start seeing things from a spiritual perspective. And so this is what he sort of does. So look what happens. He said, the king commanded the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans. Okay, let's go back and look at these guys, who they are. So the king commanded his spiritual leaders. But just from my quick mention of this, were these the right spiritual leaders to start looking to? 
In fact, it's so interesting. It is so interesting and so applicable today. I'm not making this up. But when you look at these words in the Hebrew or Chaldean, which from chapter four or verse four on to chapter uh, seven, it's in Chaldean. Um, When you look at it, look what this says. The king commanded that the magicians, these guys were actually not, you know, the guys who are pulling rabbits out of the hat and old doing card tricks, that kind of thing. They were actually the scholars, the educators. That's who those guys were. They were the most learned people. They they were the ones teaching everybody else. So surely if I have a problem that is causing me to have a secular sigh, I ought to bring in the the most educated people I can find to help me through this situation, right? Doesn't that make sense? How's that working today? I'm, I'm not bashing education by any means. So I have a no, numerous, my wife's a full-time sub, and if I was, she'd beat me when I get home. But no. <laughs> but literally, no, I'm not bashing education, but is education the answer to everything? And, and have you ever noticed that education changes? I wish, Tom, uh, I wish Tom Van Giesen was here. By the way, they're on an anniversary trip down into the Keys. They moved here from color, uh, California, and they hooked up this awesome like awesome trip, uh, cruise trip all through Europe or all through everywhere. And then COVID came and they couldn't do that. So they were like, all right, for our anniversary, we're going to the Keys. So they're in the Keys right now. <laughs> if y'all are watching the hurricane, they should only have some bad weather tomorrow. But after that, it should be beautiful. So, but Tom Van Giesen's a retired teacher from California. You think he's got some wisdom? A retired teacher from California. Think about all that I just said right there. And uh, <coughs> he will tell you education's changed. <coughs> so in this, the uh, king brought in the scholars. It says magicians, but they're the scholars. They're the ones who have the book sense on it. They're the ones who are the educators in this, and they're teaching everyone else. They brought in the enchanters. Okay, these were the people who were the astrologers. They were looking to the sky, and they were also looking. They're, they're kind of like our psychic friends. They were the ones reading the skies and coming up with predictions. They were the psychic people, all right? That's not bad people to bring in if you believe in that kind of stuff, which you shouldn't in here. But anyways, um, so they got the educators, the psychic friends, the sorcerers. Listen to this, man. These were the guys that were like mixing potions and making thing, incantations and things but you know what the word source in that Greek, this was written in Hebrew, but you know what the word sorcery is in Greek? It's pharmakia. Pharmakia. What word do we get pharmakia from pharmakia? Pharmacy. It was, and in fact, when you read it in the New Testament, when it talks about sorcery, it's talking about getting people high so they don't have to think about their problems. Aren't you glad we don't do that today? Man, you know, giving people drugs so they don't know there's anything wrong with them, right? You know, so it masks it, it covers it. It's, it's age old. And so in this, that's what sorcerers were. They were dudes that mastered chemicals. Now, is there, is there anything wrong with taking a prescribed drug if it's really what you're supposed to take? I mean, probably not, you know, at that point. I'm, I've, I've appreciated aspirin before. Uh, I've appreciated some, you know, stuff, but... But to be dependent upon that, to be in a system where, yeah, that's where we get the secular high from, okay, from the sorcerers. <laughs> but so, so look, who, look who he's brought together. He's brought together the educators, brought together the psychic friends, brought together the pharmaceutical companies in this, all right? 
because that's what was going on at this particular point in time. And then he brings in the Chaldeans. Those guys are our politicians. So look at the four groups he brings in to get wisdom. Do you think he's going to help his secular side or do you think he's going to have to add another fist? <laughs> he's brought in the educators. Again, nothing wrong with all these th- with most of these things. In ba- There's value educators can bring in there. But do educators have all the answers it, to find an answer? Is that all the place? Is that where you've got to go? I want an educator who's seeing life from God's perspective. That's what I want to see. You know, and so he brings in the educators. He brings in who did he also bring in the psychic friends like Oprah and those guys. You know, I'm just messing with it. But he brought in and brought in the uh, pharmaceutical companies and brought in the politicians. Does that not sound familiar? We got a problem. We bring these the most expert people in the secular society. And can the most expert people in a sec, in a secular society solve the spiritual problem? Steve. The most educated, the best pharmaceutical people, the best educators that know everything about this and the best psychic friends, the best. Can the secular world solve a spiritual problem? No. Can they? Now, what if those people were spiritual? What if those isn't that what God's called us to do is making disciples and being disciples? Every one of you have different levels of expertise. I have numerous educators in here. And I am so grateful that you do it from a godly perspective because that's what the world needs. I have people in my life who are pharmaceutical people who are Christians. They are believers, and I'm grateful of that. Medical people, all kinds of people. But you know what? If you are just purely secular, you try to do anything purely secular, you're going to end up with a secular sigh. Because everything in the world is a spiritual situation. Every problem is a spiritual problem. And the secular world can't solve a spiritual problem. So if in your little compartment of life, you're trying to solve this issue because this is carnal, this is the world, this is my spiritual life, this, guess what, man? You're going to end up with a secular side. It's all spiritual, every bit of it. So he brings even these guys, the politicians, and to be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. Now, these guys had a pretty good gig going for them. You're going to see this. The king said to him, I had a dream. I've had continual dreams, and, and, and I'm kind of like, I, I need some help. Who better to bring in than you guys to be my advisors and tell me what to, what to do? Little did he know, he had some spiritual guys that he could call on, and that's what we're going to learn about next week. But he said, man, I've had these dreams. My spirit is troubled to know the dream. Not really know the dream, but know what this means. Why am I having this dream over and over again? What does this dream mean? You know, have you ever had a problem just eat you alive? Callaway, you ever had a problem just eat you alive at your young age? Yeah. Most people don't think you guys do. They think you're just like goofy little middle schooler. Are you a high schooler now? Not yet. They just think you're goofy little. This dude used to on paddleboard tours. He would like, hey, he used to have a mohawk. Mohawk days are over for now. Till it comes back in like bell bottoms. But I'm just saying, he had, he had mohawk, man, and he had hair gel, and he would grab three or four of those mangrove crabs and stick them in his head. He would like have four, three or four of them, and he knew how many were in his head. Because I watched him numerous times as he's paddling, I watched one of them jump out, and he jumps out after him and gets it and puts it back without losing the others. Very skilled kid right here. So, so aside from the crabs, you had problems, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's what we're talking about. This dude had a problem. And every time it came up, he's like, oh, oh, can I see your hand if you've ever had one of those? Seriously, 
You close your eyes, there it is. You open your eyes, there it is. You, find, you put on music and there it is. You watch TV, oh, no, that episode's not about that. I mean, just saying everywhere you turn, there it is. And that's where Nebuchadnezzar's at. He's truly got a problem. How many of y'all would like to know how to help people solve a problem like that? Because we're going to encounter people like that. So he gets these guys together and said, man, I have been having this dream. My spirit's troubled to know the dream. So here we go. These guys that he brought in, the educators. Again, I'm not bashing the educators. I am bashing the psychic friends, all right? And in a lot of respects, I'm bashing the medical system with, this, with the pharmaceutical stuff because I, I kind of have some insight on how some of that operates from people who sell it, all right? And I'm not bashing all of it because, yeah, if they're going to do some surgery, I want an IV, all right? Thank you, and I would like to be numbed. So I'm not bashing all of it, you know? But the, and the politicians. I mean, I know they're a good... Rena. You know a good politician, don't you? Who? Her brother-in-law. It's just because he's your brother-in-law, right? Yeah, and what position is he in? The governor of what? The governor of Tennessee. That's her brother-in-law, and he's a God-fearing man. So what makes him a good politician? He's a God-fearing politician. So there are good politicians, but the ones who are not God-fearing politicians... Those are bad ones. They're, made, they're, they're creating more secular size for people. And that's where we're living in all of this. There's a bunch of people in the world who are living a lucrative lie. I could ask every one of you in your industries, in your businesses, how many liars do you know that do nothing but promote themselves and they write checks their body could never cash? They make promises for things they can never come through, but that's how you rise up is by people believing in you that, you know, could you believe in your lie so much that you've convinced everybody else how great you are. And all of a sudden, when it comes time to perform, you don't have what it takes. That's what we're talking about with this lucrative lie. These guys have been doing this. They've been selling themselves. And now somebody really needs a solution. They've been promising they have. And guess what? They can't perform. Don't ever get caught doing that. In fact, in Proverbs, it actually tells you it's, it's better for you to not oversell yourself. Because like if Steve, man, you see that push-up challenge, dude? Like, did you ever see it on Facebook? How many of y'all seen that push-up challenge on Facebook? Oh, my God. How many of y'all are sick of seeing the same guy come up and he's got the camera and doing the push-up? Are, are you on it, man? Jason, are you on it? Oh, thank God, man. No, but Terry is. No, I'm just joking. But... But it would be like it would be like Jason saying, "Yeah, man, I can do fifty push-ups." Ah, oh. and and so Jason gets down and he pumps out fifty push-ups, and you can tell about thirty he's about done, and he pumps out another ten, and then we have to spend the rest of the service watching him get the last ten out. Ooh, come on, you can do it! Ah, and then he picks out, pulls off fifty push-ups. How many of y'all are impressed? You're not because that's what he said he could do. What? Well, yeah, <laughs> because. Because you're that guy. No, I'm just messing with you. No. But yeah, 50 push-ups, 50 push-ups. But you're not impressed because that's what he said he could do, right? If somebody sells a big ticket and that they perform, Zane, construction industry, they say, I can do this, and then they do it. Is it a big deal? No, it's what I expected. It's what you said you would do. So God says, don't oversell yourself in prize. He said, be honest. And then if they get more, what happens when somebody gets more? Then they're excited. So, so J Jason says, yeah, dude, I can do 20 push-ups. 
And so Jason, poo, 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 20 push-ups, but on 20 to 30, he's like, poo, 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 40, it's like, oh my goodness, he did twice as many as he said he did. What's the difference? How he sold himself. Make sure when you're selling yourself, you're selling what? But you're like, I can't compete in this world if I only sell what I think I can do. Maybe that's what's wrong with this world. Maybe if you start representing God and only selling what you think you can do, maybe God will lift you up. That's how he says it works. Isn't it much more impressive when you get more than what was promised? Don't you guys want to deal with people who actually can deliver what they say they can do? How many of y'all have been lit down by somebody but, you know, you've given them deposits, you've, you've given them the deal, you've given them. How many of you ever been lit down by somebody who didn't do what they said they're going to do? That's why I never tell you when we're going to be done. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but it just kind of works out and you, you, you work up an average. But seriously, it's like, don't be that person. This is the lucrative lie. Watch this. The Chaldeans. They pick on them and the Chaldeans are which part of our society? The the politicians. Now, all these... <coughs> COVID, sorry. No, I'm, just, I'm joking. That's what we say when we cough. We go, <coughs> COVID. But, all right. But the Chaldeans said to the king, the politicians said to the king in Aramaic. And so from this verse on, now it's written in Aramaic. And we're going to learn it's about the end of the world and where God now says, here's the plan for the Jews. Here's the plan for the secular, for the Gentiles. That's why some people believe it's written in Aramaic. I don't know. When I die, I'm going to ask God, all right? And then I'll tell you guys. We'll probably be in heaven together, and you can ask him. But the Chaldean said to the king of Aramaic, Oh, king, live forever. Hey, how many, of you ever, how many of you ever been in a conversation, like at work or whatever, and they're cussing out the boss behind their back, and the, king, and the boss shows up and like, Oh, hey, how's it going, man? Anybody ever see that? People sucking up to, you know, they were just cussing them out. They were just talking behind their back. That's these guys. Do they really want the king to live forever? No, does the king know they don't want him to live forever? Yeah, that's why he's got a dude named a cupbearer. <laughs> it's like he's got a guy, and I would certainly take this job as a believer. Everything the king eats and drinks, the cupbearer got to taste first. <laughs> and if he didn't die, then it was good for the king to eat. And if I died, I'm going to heaven, but I'd, I'd die full. <laughs> so anyways, but the king knew everybody was against him. He had a cupbearer. He was always being protected. So king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we'll show you the interpretation. Is that what the king asked for? No, what did he ask for, John? Yeah, you tell me the dream. If you can't tell me the dream, how do I know your interpretation isn't a sham? In other words, oh, dude, man, I had a dream last night. There was this big circle. And all of a sudden, there was this red stuff splattered on it. And, 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 then there, and then all of a sudden, little dots showed up and all different colors. And then they put it in an oven and baked it. What does that dream mean? It means you're supposed to eat pizza for lunch. In other words, they would hear the dream, and then they would come up with some explanation for it. And so if you really needed a real explanation to a real dream, would you just take that? Would you just accept that? No, and that's where the king's at. He said, no, I want you to tell me the dream and then I'll tell you an interpretation. Don't just give me some harebrained interpretation of, of what you think this means. I'm done with the lucrative lie. I need a real answer. I need a real solution. Quit just giving me rhetoric. You ever get tired of rhetoric? You ever get tired of just the same old, same old and it's not a solution? 
That's why the word of God is so valuable, because this is a solution when you apply it. So the Chaldeans said to the king, oh, king, live forever. He's like, tell your servants a dream. We'll show you the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the word from me is firm. Some of your translations may say it's escaped me. But what he means is my word is already out. It's gone. My word is already out. It's firm. This is what I want. You're not changing my mind. I am set. I need you to tell me the dream, and then I need to know the interpretation of the dream because this is this serious. I'm tired of your lucrative lie. You guys have been interpreting my dreams that I've been telling you forever. You guys have been telling me what I want to hear. You're nothing more than a bunch of politicians that are never accomplishing anything. You just want my vote. You're just telling me what I want to hear now, and I look at your track record, and it's garbage. I need a solution right now, and that's where they're at with this. He said, the word is firm. If you don't make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb. Woo, wouldn't that change politicians today? But I'm not condoning, I'm not even advocating, I'm not even suggesting that in any way. But he was. And in fact, the way they would actually execute people. This is Nebuchadnezzar, and this, these are the world people. This is the, 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 the biggest... Um, empire in the world right now and why people succumbed to them was because they were afraid literally they would take people and they would literally start ripping their limbs off one at a time while they were alive hey Callaway if they you saw them do that to your sister and they're like now I want you you'd be like oh, okay I'll do what you want <laughs> you see somebody literally get picked apart alive like a chicken bone you know it's like that's pretty intimidating that's what he's saying to these guys is going to happen. I am going to tear you from limb to limb. And it's not just a figure of speech. That is what they did. You know why Noah didn't really, well, not Noah, dude, what's the other dude name who built a boat? The, uh, no, swallowed by a whale. Jonah, yeah. <laughs> Jonah. Do you know why Jonah did not want to go and witness to the Ninevites and see them saved? Because they were like this. They actually literally would take people alive and they would fillet them fillet their skin off of them while they were alive and they would stretch it out on boards out in front of Nineveh and everybody hated their guts because of how vile and and horrible they were everybody hated them except for who everybody hated them except for who because once God saved them they were going to be different and he called Jonah go 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 share the gospel with those people heck no I don't know. I want them to die and burn in hell for everything that they've ever done. And God said, you need to get right with me because they weren't no harder saved than you were. And God said, I'll show you who's boss. Makes a little guppy probably. I think when we get there, it's going to be a guppy and he swallows them by a little guppy. We're all thinking it's a whale. I don't know. But bottom line, God hooks it up and he goes and witnesses. And he's not even happy with the revival. But who's happy with it? God. But here, this guy, man, you'll be torn limb from limb. And your house will be laid to ruin. So who else is going to get torn? Hey, so uh, uh, Rena, uh, who else is getting torn limb to limb? Is it just going to be you in the house? No, it's going to be every person. Can you imagine watching your children get torn limb to limb? That's, that's what he's saying is going to happen. If you don't come up with the dream and the interpretation, this was not an idle threat. This is how Nebuchadnezzar operated. He said, but good news. You show me the dream and its interpretation. You get what's behind curtain number two. You get received from me gifts and rewards and great honor. And he was really going to give him all of that. You'll see in three weeks what Daniel gets when he does it. 
He said, therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation. Do you think he's serious about this? He needs a solution. He's tired of a lucrative lie. He's tired of being played. He's tired of going to the person that's just going to tell him what he wants to hear. He needs something serious. Hey, wouldn't it be awesome if you were that person? Wouldn't it be awesome if people, when they really, truly have a problem, when they really, truly need a solution, they can come to you? Because they know you go to who? To God. Don't get caught in this world system because you're no, going to be no more valuable than the world system. But when you walk with him, it doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter your, your status, whether you're short, tall, fat, skinny. It doesn't matter if you're good looking, you're not good looking. If you walk with God, you are the most valuable person this world can have at that point. And that's what he wants you to do. The Apostle Paul I challenge you, go home and Google up what the Apostle Paul looked like. Go to Google Apostle Paul and look for images. Most of the images show him as this little humpback dude, those ball-headed little, you know, and he, he was not a good-looking dude. He got beat all the time and stuff, but how many of y'all would love to hang out with the Apostle Paul? Yeah, buddy. It ain't about the exterior, it's about the interior. And man, the Apostle Paul. So, but if you show me the dream, it's interpretations, you'll receive from me gifts, rewards, great honor, Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. I don't know if that says it again. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. So guess what? I saw this little, this little quote, and it said, it was a supreme test of their superhuman claims. You know what? You've been claiming to be superhuman. You've been claiming to be able to pull all this off. You've been claiming to interpret my dreams for years. You've been claiming to be able to meet my needs for years. You have had, been in the House of Representatives for 50 years, and now you're claiming you're going to... And again, I'm not getting political with anything. I'm talking about a political system where people have been in it forever, and now they're claiming they're going to... Every year, we're going to fix this. Well, why didn't you fix it in the past? Because no one's holding them accountable to fix it. And again, it's not about just politics. It's about every aspect of life. Don't get caught in that world system where you're living a lucrative lie because one day you're going to get called out and one day you're not going to be able to produce. And it's going to be worse than just you being embarrassed. It's going to be the fact somebody really was counting on you and they can't. So here was a supreme test. You know what? You claim you got this gift. Use it. You claim you can do this. Use it. You claim you can do that. Do it again. Whatever it is you claim you can do, man, Right now is a good time to do it in this. And that's what they're saying. Supreme test of your superhuman claims. So look what they said. They answered a second time. Like the king didn't hear. Let the king tell his servants the dream. And we'll show you the interpretation. Maybe he didn't hear his first time king. Because these are actually older men. That actually were his father's advisors. And now they're trying to talk to this younger guy who's the king. And convince him. Look, look man. This is not how we do it. You know for years, you tell us a dream, we tell you interpretation, okay? That's the way it's got to be. So this guy comes back and King said, I know with a certain, you're trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. In other words, what you're trying to do, you see right now I'm not going to change my mind, so you're trying to buy some time, so I change my mood. <laughs> Anybody ever try to do something with somebody and you see the mood is not right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you got to wait for the mood to change before you can now have, get what you need to have happen. That's what he's saying. He's like, yeah, we can see, you know, he said, you see, I'm, I'm pretty serious. I am in a bad mood right now. And, and you see, nothing's going to change. So you're trying to buy some time until my mood changes. 
And the king says, look what he goes on and says, he says, man, if you don't make the dream known to me, there's one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change, till my mood changes. You're feeding me a line until everything changes. Therefore, tell me the dream and I'll know that you can show me the interpretation. Give me a dream and then you, you, you tell me what I dreamed and then I'll believe your interpretation. So I'm not changing in this. So we started out with what? Help me out again. Remember, get your palm together. We start with a secular sigh. It turns into a lucrative lie. The guys he's counting on. Now, when the guys get called out, when they get called out that they can't do it, what starts happening? You make a bunch of what? Excuses. I had a baseball coach that said it in a different way, but I'll say it this way. Excuses are like underarms. Everybody's got them and they all stink. All right. And and so you start making excuses. And I like to call that the Chaldean cry. Help me out with the Chaldean cry, because if your lucrative lie gets called out, Zane, what do they do on the job site? If you said you could do this and now you're not doing it and you're not going to be able to do it. What do they do? Well, it's because of this. And I just, you, know. you ever see that on a job site all the time? You ever see it on a job site? No, never. You're a liar. <laughs> I'm just saying. But dude, isn't that what happens next? When someone can't produce, don't they start making this? Oh, it's not my... Isn't that where it's indicative of so much of our society right now? We have a victim mentality. It's everybody else's fault. If I'm the victim, it's not my fault. I can't fix it. And it's, I don't have to do anything different until you fix the world and make my world better. How many of y'all really want to live that way? Wouldn't you rather live for God and follow him and let him change the world you're in and then you go change every part of the world you're a part of? You see life from God's perspective and then you can help others see it that way. But the world is selling the world on a victim mentality. Telling people that they're victims even when they're not. And guess what? Once you get a victim card... And if you're, you have a victim card, if you do, and I'm not pointing anybody out here, but if you do have a victim card, how many of you have ever had one? Let me, whether you got it now or not, you've had one. What's the hardest thing to do with a victim card? Let it go. The hardest thing to do with a victim card once you got one is to give it up. Because, dude, I can always whip out my wallet if I don't want to deal with something. Now imagine being a permanent member of the victim card society. That's what we're creating in so many ways. You know, you, the spirit-filled life is, what do you want me to do now, God? And I do it. And whatever happens is happening by God's design. And it's for our good and it's for his glory. Is there any victimhood in that? When you're the apostle Paul and you get shipwrecked, is there any victimhood in there? No, it's a pleasure. It is a privilege to to suffer for Christ. In fact, where I'm at in 2 Corinthians right now, and I sent to many of you, if you never suffer, you can't experience comfort. But we want to be comfortable. And I had a number of you send back, but I like to be comfortable. <laughs> and some of you wanted to send it back like that. I said, if you don't suffer, you can't experience comfort. But I want to be comfortable all the time. Well, you don't know. That's like bolding everything. If you bold everything, nothing's bold. You know, if you suffer, God allows us to suffer so we can appreciate the comfort. The time for no suffering and eternal comfort is later. We'll have that. 
but he wants to give us grace in our suffering so the world can say, wow, how is this happening in your life? Why, man, how can you be responding this way when they're doing that? You're like, dude, it's, hey, Bob. Just like they're saying, dude, how can you like, look at Bob, dude. He's just like, I don't care, dude. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I know, he's changed, hasn't he? Yeah, because you see the, anymore. Yeah, exactly. He got changed, you know, and that's what he's talking about. I'm not a victim, dude. God has put this in my life by his design for me to have an opportunity to give him glory. And he's going to make me more like him. That's the purpose instead of the Chaldean cry. But look at the Chaldean cry. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demands. <laughs> How many of you ever sent your kid, has your mom ever sent you to clean your room or do some chore? And you have responded that way, honestly. Nobody's ever, no kids have to do this. How many of you ever heard this from your kids? Anybody? All right, you are being generous. <laughs> Surely at some point your kids had to do something like this. But literally, how many of y'all did it as a kid? You tried to, yeah, I was good at it. My parents would just sometimes let me out because I was so good at it, they didn't want to hear me anymore. All right, but that's kind of what these guys are doing. No man on earth who can meet the king. Nobody on earth can meet the king's demands. No great and powerful king would even ask a thing. What's he trying, what are they trying to do to the king now? Yeah, they're, they're trying to say, you're not a great and powerful king because no great and powerful king. No loving parent would ever make me do something like this. <laughs> oh, why are you laughing, girl? You've used that on your mom before? <laughs> you must not be a loving parent because you're making me do this horrible thing, right? That's kind of where they're going with this. No great powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician, educator, any enchanter, psychic friend, or Chaldean politician. In other words, dude, this is way beyond the line what you're asking. This is just not right. And we're going we're, we're gonna to let everybody know it's not right. Because this just isn't right. And, and, and I'm going to make a big fuss. I'm even going to get a petition. I'm going to start a website where people can write down things that they think are wrong and get everybody to sign up. And we'll just get everybody together. And if we outnumber the authority, then we must be right. But this really wasn't like our society. The thing that the king asks is difficult. And no one can show it to the king except who? The gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. What did they just admit about human wisdom? It's bankrupt. If you're counting on human wisdom to build your business, to build your family, to build your marriage, to build your ministry, to build anything, you are going to find out that it is lacking and you will be bankrupt. It will let you down. It's like when you go paddle boarding with me. I'd say, grab these little cords from the back and drag it here because those bungee cords are going to let you down. <laughs> you're trying to get back up on your board. Grab the handle. Don't grab the bungee cords. They're going to let you down. You're going to sink and drown. Maybe not drown, but <laughs> in this situation, you will. So, man, they just admitted that you trust in human wisdom. You're going to be bankrupt. That's really what, man, I wanted to share the whole good news part. I've never been able to elaborate this much on this part. 
And some of y'all are really glad I'm only stopping at part one right now. And, and, and next week, don't miss it because it's the good. You're going to see the guys do it right. Today, you get to see the guys do it wrong. And how many of you ever learned from somebody else's mistakes? This is an opportunity. If you see yourself in any way, shape, or form counting on human wisdom over God's wisdom. I'm not saying we don't take human wisdom, but it better line up and funnel through God's wisdom. We have a filter called the word of God, and it's a sieve, and you take all that world wisdom and push it through, and if some, whatever comes out that can be filtered through the word of God and be true to the word of God, that's the only part you use. Because anything stuck in that filter is going to let you down. He, they just admitted the bankruptcy of human wisdom, and that's how these people have been living forever. So guess what? Did Nebuchadnezzar say, okay, you guys have whined and fussed enough, and so you can have your way. How many parents have ever done that, honestly? Ashley, raise your hand. I'm not saying you do it all the time. Oh, you're writing, but, but, but literally, all of us, I've watched before, and I can't, I just laugh. I laughed because they were my kids, and now she's got her own kids. And I'm like, okay, Keone, do whatever you want. Shut up. And I'm like, she didn't say that, but she said it by herself. And again, I'm not bashing her because every one of us have done that. You know, my dog. <laughs> we do it with our dog. We do it with our whatever. But guess what? Nebuchadnezzar, he needs a solution. He's not going to let this end right here. Okay, you have fussed enough. Hey, Jordan, how about in your classroom? The kids are going to whine and fuss enough where they're going to win and you're going to give. You're a pretty tenacious person, so I think once they start challenging you, it now becomes a battle, right? Yeah, for I know you are. <laughs> That's why your husband's over there. No, I'm just joking. He's over there because he's still recovering from his car wreck, and I've been praying for you all week, bro. But, but yeah, you are. Yeah, so you're not going to give in. And that's where Nebuchadnezzar's at right now. He's like, dude, this is too important. I'm not giving in. I've given in the whole time with you guys. My dad gave in. I'm really sick of being lied to and being deceived. I'm really sick of this whole system right now. And I'm the king and I got things to do and I got something serious. So you know what? Decree to die. Everybody do that. Decree to die. Because that is the end result of a, of a secular system that is going to bankrupt you. All right, so at least one more time, just so you know this, when we do it in, it started out with a secular, thank you, Erica, so much for participating, secular sigh, a lucrative lie, a Chaldean cry, and it ended up being a decree to die. I define that as an obstacle. Next week, we start learning the other part of how it's really not an obstacle, it's an opportunity because God has placed it in your life. So look at this last part. It says, because of this, the king was very angry. <laughs> in other words, the more the kids whined and fussed and put up a fight, the angrier the king got because he really needed the job done. I need you once and for all to do what you said you can do. And obviously you're not. So the king was angry and furious, and he commanded that all the wise men of Babylon were destroyed. Now, there were at least four guys who were Jewish implants, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that did not get called to this meeting, probably because they were still young, but they're part of the wise men. And next week, we see that just as they're knocking on the door, hey, Daniel, we're here to kill you. And he's like, yeah, why so quick, man? <laughs> Let me pray. <laughs> you know, it, that's what happens when you're a godly person. 
Everybody's freaking out, and you're just kind of like, yeah, dude, let me see what God has to say about it. But we can go both ways, can't we? And so the encouragement is that we stay on the spiritual side. So there was a decree that all the wise men are to be destroyed. So that's where we stop today. Um, we'll hit the next part next, uh, next week. I hope you come back for that. It, it's actually a, a more uplifting, powerful thing, you know. Uh, this one's kind of like uh, learn from your older brother who makes all those mistakes, right? So we start with obstacles from the bankruptcy of human wisdom. That's really how I got to entitle this. If you're trusting human wisdom, it will go bank, it'll bankrupt you and life will be an obstacle. So if you seem to keep running into obstacles, check to see if you're not getting bankrupted by human wisdom and start stepping out and doing it God's way. It doesn't make sense. It's counterintuitive. It's a way the world doesn't think is going to work. But when it actually does, then who gets the glory? God does. And isn't that what it's all about? How many of y'all would rather be successful at something everybody else has been successful at and take the credit for it, as opposed to how many of you would rather be successful in something you can't take the credit for, but it's really awesome because God did it. Which would you rather have, what everybody else has, or would you rather have cool stories because you followed him? It just takes faith. It takes recognizing where we're tied into this secular system and ditching it. So here we go again. Obstacles become opportunities when your goal is to give glory to an omnipotent God, and, and you'll understand that more at the end of all of this. But today, here's where we're at. All right, help me out with the rest of this. So who thinks they got it all right now? Anybody got it? Secular side, lucrative life, Chaldean cry, decree to die obstacles. Who thinks they got it? And would like to share it with us. Zane, I saw that hand. Come on, Zane, stand up. And, and Zane, you got it, man. All right, Gary's going to help you too, man. Yeah, what? All right, so, 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 so Zane, you can just do it right from there, man. Okay. Just do it. Tell us, man, what are they? Secular side, lucrative lies, All right, amen. So y'all can preach this now, right? You can preach this now, because it's for real, all right? Destiny, can you two do it? I'm talking you and your baby, not your friend. You're two now. You're eating for two, girl. All right, yeah. can you do it? And you don't want to be that at all, right? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for even giving us bad examples in your word. And I am so grateful for next week being able to look at a godly guy um, who, who, who knew this was an opportunity to bring you glory, Father. And um, I pray that through this little mini-series between books of the Bible, that, Father, you would uh, help us avoid this secular system in every aspect of our life, that whatever we have to do in this world, we would not be of this world. We would do it in a spiritual way. We would do it in a way where people would just be amazed to see what happens, and we'd have to give you the glory, and we'd want to give you the glory, and we'd have enough faith and patience to wait to be able to give you the glory so that our situations sometimes <coughs> would look so hopeless. <clears throat> Father, I even think of Destiny's and Jack's situation last year. It never looked like they were going to have a baby. And there was some surgery and different things. And surgery that was just even expensive and all kinds of things that just seemed to be against it. But you put in both of their hearts to be parents. 
they were open to adoption, all kinds of things, but you gave them the desire to have a baby, and today she got to tell us that she's pregnant. Father, we know that any conception is a miracle by you. But Father, with those extenuating circumstances, it's undeniable. And Father, that's what you just want to keep doing, is just doing things so supernatural that only you can get blamed for it. Father, we want to be a part of that. So bring conviction to us. Give us the desire and ability to recognize what in our life is part of this secular system that's going to bankrupt us. And give us the desire and ability to forsake it and do things your way. And I pray if there's someone here that's never given their life to Christ, they still think they're going to maybe earn their way to heaven. They think they're going to be good enough. Think God's going to let everyone in. They would see, Father, that you've created a deal. And the deal is that Christ died on a cross to pay for the sins of the world. And anyone that would surrender, believe in him with their whole life, surrender everything they know about themselves, everything they know about him, would have that eternal life applied to their life. They, They would get eternal life from you. It's the only place we can get it. But it comes from surrendering. I pray, Father, you'd give someone the desire and ability to do that if there's someone here that doesn't have it. <clears throat> because that's, Father, the, the worst secular bankruptcy anyone could have is thinking there's another way to heaven other than through Christ. So, Father, I pray that for all of us, you'd increase our faith. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.